We run with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking and fixing our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. We look to the guy who already ran the race. And more than that, we're not going to finish this race by ourselves. He's the one that comes and wraps us up and meets us in our pain and meets us in his strength to get across the finish lines. Connecting you to the generation that will finish the Great Commission. This is the Pray for Campus podcast. Hey guys, we're back. And, you know, it's still pretty early in what we want to get out of the Pray for Campus podcast. I'm still kind of building the plane in the the air a little bit about some goals that we want to get after. And I want to give updates on things going on in ministry. I want to give tips on how you can still live a life of ministry, reaching the world, no matter what context you find yourself in, whether that's a traditional workforce or, you know, you're a missionary or pastor, insert the thing. And yeah, in my job, I have the opportunity to to share from the front, whether that's like a sermon or like a, a talk to college students. And soon I'll be actually sharing with the Better Life Youth Group. And as I was working on my notes for that talk next week, I was like, man, this would be a great chance to share kind of what the Lord's teaching me on the podcast, but also practice a little bit for how I want things to kind of look when I do get a chance to share for that. So I actually want to take this as an opportunity to break down a verse of scripture that I feel like is so visionary. And and it's something that like can take the mundane part of your day and really like hyper energize it in a way of like do you realize the gravity of what's happening right now and that's hebrews 12 verses 1 through 3 and before we actually jump into that just a little background we actually don't know who wrote the book of hebrews some people say paul some people say apollos some people say priscilla i actually lean toward apollos i have my own reasons for that sometimes i I kind of just want apollos to have written i really like the mysterious nature of apollos in scripture if you feel like you know who wrote Hebrews, then uh, shoot me a message. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that sort of thing. But this verse here is set with the background of like the Olympic Games, the gladiator, maybe not the gladiator games. I don't know the, the time period on that. But anyway, the author of Hebrews was not, was not a stranger to the idea of sport. And he compares our living our lives as like people watching us go through a race. Here's what he says. Therefore, since we are surrounded By so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So, yeah, when I think about running a race, I think about my my less than pristine athletic career. You know, I loved baseball, loved basketball. I got into cross country in seventh grade to lose a little bit of weight. But then by the time I got around to my senior year, I was really just wanting to run track to get that letter. Like I, I wanted kind of the the jewel in my crown, the the my Pikeville High School P to have that one shoe with the wings on it. And I decided to run track my senior year. And that was pretty dumb. It conflicted with baseball. And I finished a baseball game. I looked at my watch. I was like, okay, it's time to get gone. I got to go run this race. So I jumped in my car, drove a couple miles to this race. I pulled in one side of the track. I had to hop the fence, run across diagonal of the track to the like uh, track office. And behind this track office, there was this little freshman who was just waiting on me with his uniform on. And I had my baseball uniform on. And we both switched uniforms. And then I ran out to run the race. I finished the race immediately go behind and then he's standing there in his underwear 
and we have to uh, I give him his uniform back. He gives me my, my baseball uniform, and we really haven't spoken much since in like 12 years. So, you know, I hope, Stephen, you're doing good. Well, actually, that's his brother. Anyway, yeah, I hope that person's doing good. They're probably not going to watch this, but if you do, hope you're walking with Jesus. Anyway, yeah, so that was pretty low stakes race. Like I look around at the people who were watching that race, I think back to like what that was like, and there really wasn't very many people there. If there was 10,000 people in the crowd, 10,000 people in the stands, I would have probably really tried a lot harder for that race. And I think who's there kind of matters. We can ask ourselves that question, like like the author of Hebrews actually lays it out. Lays it out right here. We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And we can ask ourselves the obvious question, who are the cloud of witnesses? And uh, it starts with therefore, so we can look at, you know, what was going on in the chapter before. In the chapter before, the author of Hebrews is setting up all these great men that did all these great things for the kingdom that moved things forward. And then it kind of leads up in this pinnacle moment to us. Therefore, now that you are surrounded by such a crowd of witnesses, and we could call those people kind of watching on the hall of faith. Now, I wouldn't go so far theologically to say that. You know, people that die before us are actually looking down from heaven, watching us live our lives. I think this is probably a little bit more of a metaphorical phrasing here. I think they're going to be very busy worshiping the true God, eternal God in heaven. But I think it's a cool picture to kind of be running your race, living your life. And you're looking up, you see Moses, you see David, you see Job, you see Peter, you see them looking on and you're like, how am I living my life now that would make them cheer? And another person or group of people that this might be the cl- the cloud of witnesses it could be actual living people that you know so th- think about it, like you live in a neighborhood actually I'm, I'm sitting in my house right now. i'm looking at my window i can see my neighbor's house so i see my neighbor do things i'm sure he or she sees me do things so it's like i'm always under the microscope of people seeing me live my life and you may be when you go to work when i go to campus i, I brush shoulder with students or faculty and a lot of people know that I'm a believer, so they're actually watching how I live. And, you know, I think that matters, especially like when we want to be a good representation, a good witness for Jesus. And another way that you can look at this crowd of observers is um, go check out Ephesians. I need to get the exact part of that. Where does it say? Talk about this. You're going to want to know the, the context for this. Ephesians 3, 9 through 10. Go back and read it. I'm not going to quote it right now, but it kind of has this idea that you have this mysterious, we'll call it mysterious for reasons, eternal, all-powerful God that's surrounded by by these spiritual beings, that the spiritual beings are not eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful, but they are learning about this eternal, all-powerful being. And then as God brings humanity onto the stage and starts to work through sinful humanity, the spiritual beings are actually learning more about God. So some uh, commentators have actually described it as kind of like like humanity is this play that the spiritual beings are actually seeing. Like they're learning things about God by watching this play being us. We're the actors of this play. So it's like when Jesus died on the cross and showed like so much grace to like let us in to have a relationship with him. They're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that Yahweh is so gracious. So it's like they're learning about God through our interactions with him, but also our interactions through other people. So that's really interesting to think about who are the crowds of witnesses that are surrounding us. There's the next part here. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders us and that sin that so easily entangles. That, that's the NIV there. I kind of like how that 
describes that a little bit better. It breaks down this hindrance in two ways. The first one says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So both of these are things that are going to inhibit us from running a good race. And we're actually going to start with the second one because that's the most obvious one. But it says the sin that so easily entangles. So when you think of sin, think of things that are like, like inhibiting you from running the race altogether. It'd be like if someone started out of the starting blocks and not only do they turn both ankles, but they also like lost both legs somehow. And there's no way they can go further anymore. It's like the, the gun goes off and you run the opposite direction. Sin will do that to you. Like if you say that you're walking with Jesus, but you habitually watch pornography. Well, you're, I'm not saying you're not a believer, but you prop, you're not intimately walking with Jesus while you're actively sinning. You know, pornography is a good example, but then also it could be gossip. It could be pride. Like if it, I, I'm kind of learning this in my own life, that pride is like so insidious, even like good things. Like I, I like being able to provide for my family, but as in, in my excitement to provide for my family, if I forget that Jesus holds everything in his hand, then that's sin. So even like good things, I'm figuring out like there's a sticky nature to sin. So when the goal, when the finish line is walking intimately with Jesus, this sin is directly antithetical to that. So we need to take an assessment of our lives and say like, am I sinning? Where where are maybe even my blind spots? But it actually goes even more than that. The author of Hebrews draws an even bigger circle around just sin. And it's even things that hinder us. So imagine, you know, actually, you have to imagine this. This actually happened to me. I was in seventh grade and I started to run a cross country meet. That mo- that race, a normal cross country race, is three point two miles, and this one was about a mile and a half, so it's a little shorter. And I thought, I'll be honest with you, I had ran varsity, and I was like, okay, I'm one hundred percent going to win this race. And I got there, and I just ate the normal thing I ate for breakfast, which was dumb of me because I ate milk and cereal before the race. And as I was running this race, I realized that about halfway through, I was beat. I felt like I was going to throw up. This was not a good situation. I did not win the race. It was one of the most difficult races I've ever run in my life. Now, the milk that I drank before the race, it didn't help me run, but it didn't stop me from running. It just kind of like inhibited my race. So we can ask ourselves the question, what things in our lives that are not necessarily sin is keeping us back, is holding us that and an example of this you know it's not it's not a sin to scroll on tiktok or instagram reels or be on social media or insert that thing but if i'm consuming all my time with that and that's where my brain always is and i'm not taking time to get the word i'm not taking time to look to my neighbor i'm not taking time to try to live a life pleasing to god then it's going to inhibit me from running the race and maybe actually that could become a sin but in and of itself, it's not a sin, but it's going to stop us from being able to run the race God has for us. So, you know, that's two ways that we're, we fail in our sinful flesh of running the race that God has set before us. There was a guy named Derek Redmond. He was running the 400 meter dash. And, you know, this, his setting was a lot different than my setting. He had thousands of people watching him. And now this video that I would normally show you, I'm going to show the students here next week, has 10 million views on YouTube. And he started this race in about 200 meters around the track. You see him go down with a hamstring injury. And nobody would have blamed him at all if he would have just curled up on the ground and then been disqualified from the race. 
But instead, he pops up and he starts hobbling toward the finish line. 200 meters, two football fields. He's working his way through. And you can tell he's, you know, it's a long way. But who pops out of the stands? His dad. His dad pops out of the stands. He puts his arm around him. He puts his hand around his waist. And he helps him the rest of the way. And he crossed the finish line, not under his own strength, but under his dad's strength. His dad met him in his pain and actually helped lift him across the finish line. Now, I think we could think about our race very similarly. How do we run a race pleasing to to God? We're going to have entanglements. We're going to have sin that holds us back. But we look to Jesus, and it says right here, We run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking and fixing our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. We look to the guy who already ran the race. And more than that, we're not going to finish this race by ourselves. He's the one that comes and wraps us up and meets us in our pain and meets us in his strength to get across the finish line. So you might be thinking like, oh my gosh, how am I supposed to get rid of this like this porn addiction? Or, you know, I'm on my phone a lot. That's an entanglement I'm dealing with. Or I just find myself overeating consistently. Or, man, pride is everywhere. Everything I do is this pride is in the center. We have to look to Jesus. And I think that picture is so good because he's actually the one that pulls us across the finish line. This process um, is called sanctification, and we can't force that. We just yield our lives to Jesus. Uh, There's something called walking in the power of the Spirit, and I don't mean like necessarily like charismatic or anything. I mean like, like when you become a believer, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. It's this power source, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this in a future episode. But that power source lives in you. But as believers, we have the choice if we want to depend on that power source, if we want to kind of live in our own strength. So it's kind of like a boat, like a sailboat. Like you got a sailboat and it has, you know, a mast and then the wind comes in and fills that sail. That's the driving force of that boat. And we kind of ask ourselves this question as we go about to get rid of these sinful tendencies, as we go about to do the right thing, as we go out to share our faith, as we get in the word, as we go to church as we be good people who lead our family. We need to do that in the power of the Spirit. So I love this verse. I think it's a great way to kind of put in context our lives where when we're walking down the road by ourselves, we still are living in front of people. There's a great crowd of witnesses and we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Thanks so much for checking out this episode and going for this episode of the Pray for Campus podcast. Continue to pray for me because I'm going to be sharing this with high school and junior high students next week and even the the message of this i'll be sharing with college students just in a few short weeks as we get back to campus pray that i am and i depend on and am filled with the spirit pray that the students that i come in contact with can start walking closer with god through my ministry and pray that even though they're young they can actually use this as a launch pad into a lifetime of walking with jesus so i want to pray for my ministry If, if you're still listening to this take 30 seconds please take 30 seconds and pray with me for me and for these students. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to share your heart, to share what you're doing in and through college students, taking the gospel to the world with the people listening to this podcast, but then also share this with the young people who have so much potential. And I pray there's people at this meeting next week that start walking intimately with you and and you just put them on this journey to, to do whatever you call them to. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Give me the strength and wisdom to do the things you've called me to do. In your name we pray, amen. Guys, until next time. See ya.